0: And a
1: pleasant good afternoon to you, just about six minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. on this 28th day of October. Craig Roberts in your ear and on your radio as we welcome you into another edition of Lifeline. We're here each Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. Well, today in studio with me, a dear friend, a very special guest, and it's always a wonderful time when we get a chance to come together. You know, the Scripture tells us that wherever two or more are, are gathered together. I'm there in their midst. The presence of the Lord is there. And it's always delightful to spend some time with Bishop Bob Jackson, founding pastor, senior pastor of Axeville Gospel Church of God in Christ in Oakland, because uh, he not only brings a good message from the Word, uh, the Holy Spirit accompanies this man no matter where he travels. And uh, Bishop Bob, is always, a delight to have you with us today in studio.
2: Thank you, Greg Roberts. It's always at the I'd like to be here with you as well.
1: Now, just for full disclosure for our listeners, uh, you came in tonight and said, well, what's on the agenda? And I showed you my my notepad here that has copious details on it, none of which is legible, not because I've got poor handwriting, though I do, but because there's nothing on this. We're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead the conversation. And I think some of the best times we've had together. Is just doing that, just letting God be God.
2: I think it's the only times we've had together.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we started out with a subject or a topic, Rare, rarely is there an agenda. That's yeah, for sure. God and God we, we like it just different. like that. Absolutely. Yes. Well, let's uh, let's kind of start first with uh, boy, what's going on. Last time you and I saw each other, there has since been an election, a pandemic, an economic downturn, ongoing violence on the streets of Oakland. You know, Scripture talks about, especially when you get into the book of of Revelation, that there would come a time when you would hear about wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places, that the point would come when men's hearts would fail within them for fear. And I know some older saints that have been around for a long time can point to different periods of time when they felt as if, okay, I think this is it. I think that we are imminently seeing Christ's return. And while perhaps historically none of that has come to fruition, I know this to a certainty, we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And that sense of urgency, just, you know, you begin to feel it within your spirit. You just feel as if this is a serious time, It's a worriful time, but it's also a unique time for the church.
2: It's certainly a unique time for the church. And we have an opportunity to win souls to the Lord Jesus Christ like never before, Craig. The the ironic thing about that is it's not happening. And I think – I'm sorry to say it like this, but I think there's so many Christians, pastors, elders, evangelists, missionaries, apostles, prophets, whomever, whatever, the titles or whatever – They just simply don't know how to lead a sinner to Christ. Mm. I really think that I know people say, oh, no, people know how to lead. I said, no, because if we did really know how to lead a sinner to Christ, we would be doing it every day. Three things we'd be working on. We'd be working on living holy, working on walking in love, and working on winning all the souls we can to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's pretty much the mandate really for Christianity. If you're really going to be a Christian, go and make disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel well he's not talking about some of the preaching you hear today i know i'm getting ready for good trouble <laughs> but i want to tell you some of that stuff you hear today it tickles the ear makes you feel real good but does absolutely nothing nothing for your soul or causing yeah. people to be saved and filled with the holy spirit they don't even talk about the holy spirit I- anymore i mean it, it's a shame where's the signs where are the wonders where are people getting saved Where is the church mobilized to go into a sinful world like we see today, especially in America, getting more and more sinful every day? These politicians and these—I'm probably in trouble—politicians and leaders out there now, even church leaders, are going along with everything. They're legislating morality, when God already said what morality was in his holy word. So what are we preaching? What are we teaching? What are the—what—
1: I. I'm really having a hard time with it, Greg, because. Well, and, and understandably so. And, 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 you know, just out of your brief observation, a couple of thoughts that maybe you can expand upon. One is this notion of legislative morality. And we I mean, well, we just passed one more law, come up with one more regulation that will change things. We were talking earlier off the air about some of the homicides in your home community of Oakland. Too many, much too many. And there was just a shooting at a shopping mall in Ohio a couple of days ago. The number of mass shootings, meaning two or more people killed in a random attack in the United States, significantly on the increase. And as people talk about, well, we need more gun control, we need more this, we need more rules, we need more laws. I think to myself, "You you can change all the rules and laws you want, but if you don't fundamentally change the heart... It's got to be the heart that says that I can pick up a weapon, aim it at another human being, created in the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ, and knowingly squeeze that trigger, knowing that the bullet that flies out of the end is going to take that man or woman's life. How can you say the Spirit of God is within you? It is. I'm telling you, it's
2: the craziest thing I've ever seen, and you see it all the time now, especially with these younger kids coming up. I mean, they have no sense of morality. They have no sense of life and death. They don't. Life is not sacred to them a lot, in the, especially in the inner cities. I think we have somewhere around 116 homicides in the city of Oakland right now, and it's mostly these young folks killing each other. I mean, it, it's it's a war going on with the city, I'm telling you, and— if people are not saved, then the spirit of fear, like you talked about a little earlier, it's just running rampant. But I think I'm calling it a murdering demon mm. because I think the M.O. of Satan, if you really look at it, the Lord Jesus said Satan comes to steal, steal kill, 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 destroy, and destroy. And that's exactly what we're witnessing right now. But here's the great twist to that. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, the Lord Jesus says, In my name you shall cast out devils. So if you know, oh, Greg, come on. Some people say, oh, you really believe? I believe it with all of my heart. We have pastors that do not believe that we have the authority and the power to cast demonic spirits
1: out. Out in in the name of Jesus. Look at some of the infighting going on in this country right now. And I realize that we've got very divided camps, both politically, morally, economically even. I mean, in every regard, we see these divisions. And then we wind up fighting each other. And I often say, wait, wait a minute, though. That other human being, though you might be a Republican and they're a Democrat or vice versa— the devil is leading you to think that this is a battle against others, against flesh and blood, but the Bible's very clear it's not a battle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in high places. Exactly. Which takes us right back to that passage of Scripture that That's we need to be concentrating and not casting the Democrats out or the Socialists or the Republicans. Casting out some of these demons that are creating and stirring this pot to begin with, that are creating that spirit of confusion and division. You're absolutely correct. And that you don't hear. You don't
2: hear anybody preaching about that. You don't hear anybody preaching about casting the devils out in the name of Jesus. What would happen if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about denominational churches that men are actually in charge of, but I'm talking about that same one that told Peter in 16th chapter Matthew He said whom do men say that I The son of man am and Peter piped up And said thou art the Christ the son of the Living God and he gave A testimony of himself So powerful he said yeah but flesh And blood did not reveal that to you But my father which is in heaven And I say unto you thou art Cephas okay changed his name from Peter I mean from Simon to Peter right And upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he made it very clear that the church belongs to him, not bishop so-and-so, so-and-so, and so or so and so and so my church. No, 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 you have no church. You didn't die on Calvary. You did not die. You didn't suffer and bleed for the stripes on your back for me to be healed. You are not the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And if the body of Christ could ever come together in Jesus' name and instead of fighting one another in these denominations and begin to fight the demonic spirits that you talked about just now, we could take back authority over this country in the name of Jesus, not fighting with mankind, not fighting with flesh and blood, but with the demonic spirits as operating with these folks in leadership, m- making all these questions. Cra- Do you think you can legislate morality Do you think you can make a law to cause people to love one another? You can write some stuff to say, We want you to love one. The devil is a liar. You need a heart transfer. You need a heart transplant. The Lord needs to take out that stony heart and give you a heart of flesh. You need to be born again and filled with God's Holy Spirit. He said he'll give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him.
1: You touched on a moment ago on um, perhaps what, what I'm going to speculate is a fundamental reason why we're experiencing these problems in our culture, and our society today, and predominantly in our church. But I see we're just at 5.15, so I don't want to interrupt you, Bishop Bob. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to pick up the dialogue exactly where we left off. I have a thought as to what one of the fundamental problems may be. Bishop Bob alluded to it quickly A moment ago, but I want to have him answer the fundamental question and then expand upon this, because it may take us to one of the root causes that is then ultimately lying much of what we're seeing going on in our nation today at the very foot of, sadly, not the cross, but of the church, meaning you and me. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor and founder of Axeville Gospel Church of Oakland, is with us today in studio. We'll take a time out back with more of our dialogue as Lifeline continues.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right, welcome back to the conversation, 21 minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. And a very special guest with us in studio today, Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor, founder of Acts Full Gospel Church of Oakland. More information, by the way, about the ministry online at actsfullgospel.org. And before the hour is up, we'll spend some time with Bishop Bob talking a bit about the vision his heart for the city of Oakland, and the fascinating roots of this very special ministry. I want to circle back, Bishop Jackson, to our conversation just before the break. and I, I mentioned leading into the break that I, you had touched on something earlier that I think really bears maybe focusing on for a moment, because it may perhaps go to the heart of why we're seeing this, this Laodicean church amongst us today. And people that have, you know, looking for teachers to scratch that itch, folks that don't really connect relationally, let alone with each other, they don't connect relationally in a personal way with God himself. And I wonder if maybe the big failure point, and this is what you mentioned earlier, you talked about going out and making disciples. Yes, yes. And if we could look at anything, we say, well, churches that have membership classes and how you can learn how to to be engaged in, you know, helping out the bake sale and things of this sort. But there's not a lot of emphasis on discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. And I would wonder, well, if so many folks today that go to church aren't disciples themselves in the truest sense of the word— that isn't it perhaps an indication as to what's challenging the church today that we're not making disciples because there are so few disciples that know how to make them? Does that make sense?
2: Well, I think we're making disciples, but I don't think we're making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we're making disciples of men Hmm. and followers of men, imitating men, being like men, as opposed to being like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul said...
1: Follow me as I follow Christ to Timothy. That's okay.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because the deal is if when I quit following the Lord Jesus, you quit following me. But that doesn't happen, we notice today. These folks, a lot of folks, are in the pulpit today. But listen, I'm not angry about it like Philippians first chapter. Paul talks about the fact that listen, some people are preaching Christ out of envy. Some people are preaching Christ out of jealousy. Some people are preaching Christ for filthy lucre, which is money. Some people are preaching Christ. And he said, regardless of whatever reason they're preaching Christ, I'm just happy that they're preaching Christ, okay? But when we look at it today... People are not necessarily preaching Christ. They're preaching secular humanism. They're uh, preaching a lot of New Age stuff in the ministry, connecting it with a piece of Scripture here and there, and making folks feel good about it when the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Listen, the only reason the Lord Jesus came to the earth was to seek and to save that which is lost. So what should be the mandate of the church? We got all these people that are sinning and dying, going to hell, and the church is like, oh, that's too bad. Well, it's almost like we're glad about it and glad it's not us Mm -hmm. that's going to hell with them. But it ought to break your heart. It ought to break your heart. When the Lord Jesus was dying on that cross, I mean, he was dying on the cross between heaven and earth. He looked at that crowd of people who had just been hollering, crucify him, crucify him, spitting on him, throwing rocks at him, saying all kind of stuff. But he was able to look at them and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm. God Almighty, the love that he had for people. I don't really see a lot of the church really loving people anymore. Now, they love one another as long as you identify with them and their particular groups. But they don't love people. I don't know how you can be a pastor, evangelist, missionary. Whatever Apostle, whatever title Some people are just crazy about titles and position My thing is, you know what Greg They need to give you a title and position When you can prove that you're doing that work Then give you the title But they give you the title and, and, and the position And you have no evidence that you're able to do any of it we got missionaries that don't mission we got prophet, prophets that don't prophesy We've got evangelists that don't evangelize We've got, You can go down the row. But the point of it is Whose church is it? And who are we imitating? Who are we emulating? Who are we following? To follow the Lord Jesus Christ is going to cost you something, Greg. And what it causes you is your own self. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Hey, what did he mean? He said, listen, I'm already dead. Romans, he came back and said, reckon yourself to be dead. The Lord Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. We don't see that today. We see people say, "Oh, if you want to get your stuff, if you want to get a new car, if you want to get married, if you want to get a husband, if you want to get more money. We got to get and these money guys." And oh man, send me fifty dollars and I'll send you some blessed chewing gum and whatnot. <laughs> Let me tell you something: all that gimmickry and all this kind of stuff, smoke machines and all kind of—I mean, all kind of foolishness. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will never ever change. And it's the only thing, it's the only good news that can transform a wretched sinner into a holy saint of God.
1: See, you've got to have a a, a church and a pulpit that is willing to speak that truth. You know, we, we tend to, and you just touched on this, we tend to come to God with our hands out. Correct. Lord, I'm here ready to receive from you. Yes. The new wife, the new car, (laughs) the new bank account, the new job, stuff, stuff, stuff. Right. Instead of going to God, and if we really understood, A, his righteousness, and how far our sin nature separates us from that holy God. That's it. We wouldn't go to God with our hands out. No, sir. We'd go to God with our heads hung down. Yes. Out of guilt and shame. You, Jesus. Yes. you know, we wonder why we struggle with relationships on the horizontal plane, and that's because we don't have a relationship right on the vertical plane. We just that, – that sense of sin, salvation, sanctification, you know, the, the Billy Sunday kind of basics of preaching to help people understand first and foremost, you have offended a holy and righteous God, and you are fully deserving of he's He's a jealous God. He's a holy God. He's also an angry God. And you're fully deserving of feeling his anger, his retribution for the manner in which you sin, that stench up into his very nostrils. Jesus, Jesus. I mean, God could easily just condemn all of us to hell in one fell swoop, done, and at the end of the day, nobody could say, well, why did he do that for? It's all in the book. But instead he says, thou wretched creature that you are. I'm going to, I am going love you so much in spite of your sin Come on. Come on. that I'm going to send my only begotten son. Yes. He's going to pay the price that you, yes. Craig Roberts, yes. should be paying. Yes, sir. And I'm going to do this so that you can be reconciled, be forgiven, and then walk in true fellowship with me. But sadly, that component of the message, which is the heart the heart of the message is not there like you say we make disciples but what kind of disciples are we making followers of each other or followers of Jesus and that's it that's the contest right there so that's who we should be imitating
2: that's who we should be walking like i mean he's a perfect example and we've got a bible i don't what bible are people reading now i'm talking about church people if they're reading the bible at all and some of the again these these preachers and prophets and teachers They're not even using the Bible anymore. They got these manuscripts
1: that people have written up all this great stuff. They go online and they quote one passage of scripture and then they go into an Anthony Robbins uh, success motivation seminar for the next 45 minutes and call it church. I call it going on a rabbit trail for the next 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so
2: people are not learning. So they're starving. They're hungry for the word of God, the church is. So Amos said in the last days in the book of Amos, he said, There'll be a famine in the land, but the famine wouldn't be. bread, for food, so the famine is for the Word of God. Mm -hmm. That's what the famine is right now. There's a famine going on for the Word of God. People are not into the Word of God. Let me tell you something else. There's a lot of mental problems that's going on that's not being addressed by the church. Listen, your mind has to be renewed by the Word of God. People in the church haven't had their
1: minds renewed by the Word of God, so they can only think the way they always did think without... Whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, whether whatever is without reproach. 4 and 8. Think on think these, on these things. things. That's right. But Romans twelve and
2: one and two. He says, huh? when you look at it, he said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, you cast out those old negative thoughts. You cast out all of those old sinful thoughts. You cast out all of those things that are r- robbing you of your joy and of your peace and of your victory in your life that the Lord Jesus has brought, and you replace those with the Word of God. You replace those with what God has said that you are supposed to have according to the Word of God. That's when you find the peace of God. That's when you find your deliverance. That's when you find holiness, when your mind is renewed. Your spirit is born again. The Holy Spirit comes in and takes care of your spirit. But your mind becomes the enemy, your own enemy. And I call him the enemy enemy mm. because the mind The mind is where the biggest problem is with the church today. And you just quoted Philippians 4 and 8 and talked about thinking on these things. And he tells you what you should think on. But you can sum that up in the Word of God by renewing your mind. And when you get into Scripture, when you get into reading the Word of God, and you learn to cast down those imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the Word of God, and then you bring in captivity, you bring into captivity every thought. How many... Every thought to the obedience of Christ, you're talking about a full-time job. You wouldn't have time to talk about one another. You wouldn't have time to lambast each other. You wouldn't have time to cast each other's name out on the street and fight against one another. You'd be so busy working with your
1: own mind, you wouldn't have time to fight with anybody else. And, you know, it occurs to me that this, this, this message that you're touching on is not only fundamental and, and critically important, certainly for church leadership, But also, for the people in the pews, you wonder why your son or daughter is acting out, running with the bad crowd, using such language, coming home, they're experimenting with, you know, marijuana now, you know, legalized in California. Now they're talking about even legalizing hallucinogenic drugs. I mean, things have gotten that far out of control. And you wonder what happened to your son or daughter. And yet, Bishop Jackson, that child is maybe exposed to five minutes of prayer, if that, before the meal, if that happens every day. And then they spend eight, 10, 12 hours constantly glued to a three by six foot screen or a six inch screen, if not on their telephone, on the TV set at home, that's constantly pouring out negativity, garbage, all of this stuff. So we wonder why People have been turned over virtually to reprobate minds come because on. when you – when you listen, <laughs> when, when you get in there, any farmer listening exactly, yeah, will yeah, tell yeah, you, yeah, if you get in there in the pig trough <clears throat> and you get in there in the pig pen and move around for a while, you're going to come out, sorry to say, smelling like a pig. Now, I'm not a farmer, but that's just logical. So then you wonder if your son and daughter – constantly consuming this steady non-stop diet of filth and drivel and junk and hate and violence and then we wonder why is my son acting out this way why does my daughter cut herself why do these children behave in such a violent fashion mm. Well that's all that you've that's, that's exactly how you've trained them. You've raised up that child to be that way. Now don't be surprised by the results. That's absolutely correct. You hit the nail on the head. There's the
2: parental guidance is not there anymore for Christianity for I mean for real Christianity, for holiness. That that's a that's a that's almost a curse
1: word You know it used to happen when I was a kid. Now it's changed today. Today if a child steps out of line And the principal calls the parent. The parent says, I'm coming down there right now. Don't you dare touch my child. Don't you dare discipline my child. When I was a kid and that phone call was made, my father would say, I'm coming down there, young man. And when the principal is through with you, (laughs) I'm going to turn you over to the teacher. And when the teacher is through with you, then you're going to have the Board of Education applied to your seat of knowledge. Right quick by me at home, and I would be in trouble not once, not twice, but three times over until I walked away learning. That kind of behavior is not acceptable. But sadly today, most parents are more concerned about protecting their child's bad behavior than correcting their child's bad behavior. You know what Scripture says about train up a child, but if you fail to do that,
2: uh, well, well, you better read the rewards. It's very hard to do it almost now because, again, the politicians, the government is all in your life now telling parents how to raise your kid. You know, uh, if your kid thinks that he's a girl and he's a he, he's been a boy ever since he was born, all of a sudden, whatever the kid says he is or want to be, the parent has to go along with it. Parents say, no, 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 you're not a boy, you're a girl. And I I had a boy in in church not long ago. He came to me. He said, Bishop, I'm I'm really confused. I said, confused about what, son? He said, I'm confused about my sexuality. He said, I I said, how are you confused about it? He said, well, I don't know if I'm a girl or a boy. And I said, well, he said, how do I tell? I said, it's very easy. I said, pull off your clothes, get in the mirror, and see what genitals that you have. If you have female genitals, you're a girl. If you have male genitals, you're a boy. He said, oh, thank you. And I'm saying, what are they teaching our kids in school? What are they saying? A lot of this stuff is being taught our kids is not. Listen, you're in school to learn one few things. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, okay, history, science, math, whatnot. You're not here to learn how to be culturally correct or or. or
1: well, that's just it's, it. And, and sadly, and, and you're seeing even uh, they're, they're gathering signatures now for a ballot measure they hope to get approved for the November 22 ballot that would allow basically a, a, a savings account, so to speak, that parents could use to privately educate their children. And I think it's in, in, in many respects overdue because what's happened instead of schools being hotbeds of learning and teaching children how to think – Instead, we're teaching them what, what to think. think. You hit it on that. and head. they're no longer centers for reading the three Rs—reading, writing, arithmetic—but instead, they become social experiments. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, we treat our kids like a lab rat. And what is this latest thing that they're trying to teach
2: in school that they're arguing about right
1: now? Oh, now they're fighting over the uh, the um, the critical race theory. Critical race theory. Yes, I'm. I just
2: where are these theories coming from who's who's engineering these things they say a lot of that stuff is marxism it's marxism it's it's coming from and i'm just saying well why in the world are the leaders of this country and the one is who, who's responsible for educating children why are they buying into all of these theories when we already have a concrete foundation in christianity this country was supposedly built on Christian values and Christian principles, we're so far away from that, it's not even
1: funny. Well, we're back to the notion of people having itching ears who will be pulled every which way because of any wind of doctrine that comes along that just for the moment makes me feel good because okay. it's all about how I feel, not how am I in my standing with God. You know, sadly, the fear of the Lord is just completely gone. And, and, you know, we're all going to face a day of reckoning. Yes. Not all of us may recognize it, but that day of reckoning will come. And and if anything, I, I would have hoped that the current pandemic would have been enough of a scare for people to say, you know what, this whole mortality thing, that's, that's real. Yes, yes. And maybe I need to spend some time giving some thought to who I am who God is and what my relationship what is you know we're all you, you ask anybody we can go down and do a survey of anybody out in the street and say what do you think of God and they'll have an answer but i bet few of them if you said what does God think about you uh-oh that's a question can tell you anything that's the question now that's the question
2: so the church's job and back to the the, the fundamental uh, responsibility, I think in the mandate command of the church is to go and make disciples is to share every Christian ha- is a minister. We have and have a ministry. Paul talks about it at the second Corinthians five. He, he talks about the ministry of reconciliation. We all have the ministry of, of reconciliation. So the evangelist is supposed to win souls. The missionary is supposed to win souls. The pew sitter is supposed to win souls. Everybody is supposed to be able to lead a sinner to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just imagine if the Christian church in America were to do that and people would really become born again instead of that religious baloney that we see. I'm telling you, we could change this
1: country overnight. If people understood the great commandment and the great commission love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Come on. And to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Come on. People act as if, you know, you're punishing them. Pastor wants us to go evangelizing. What did we do wrong? Wait a minute now. This ought to be something that you are compelled to do. This ought to be something where pastor says... Now, you may want to lay off a little bit because some of the neighbors are getting a little uppity because you're out there talking Jesus all the time. Rarely does anyone ever have to be disciplined for too much evangelism. But so far too often we think, not my job, we'll leave it up to the experts. I don't have Rev in front of my name or Doctor of Divinity behind my name, so I'm not really equipped to do that. And I would argue if you're not equipped to share your faith – What kind of faith do you really have? Do you have any relationship with Christ at all? Because at the end of the day, if there's a living, vibrant relationship there, you're not going to witness because you have to. You're going to witness because you want to, because there's this thing bubbling up inside of you that says, I am compelled to share this incredible news with other people that... Jesus Christ himself found me, saved me, cleaned me up, spared me from eternal damnation, which I rightly deserve, all because God said that he so loved the world that he would send his son, that none should perish, but that all should experience everlasting life. Now, I'm going to stop preaching. Here. Hallelujah to God. No, don't <laughs> stop Because that's don't Bishop stop. Bob's job. No, don't you stop. We don't got more to come, my but God. my engineer is going to be uh, in here with a shepherd's crook on both of us <laughs> if I don't give him a chance <laughs> oh, to get a, squeeze a little uh, traffic update I in here. Jesus. We're going to do that back with more of our conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor, founder of Acts Full Gospel Church in Oakland on the web at Acts Full Gospel. Back to more of our conversation with Bishop Bob Jackson right after
0: this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig All right, back
1: to the conversation. Ten minutes away from the hour of 6 p.m. here on this edition of Lifeline. And a very special guest with me in the studio, Bishop Bob Jackson from Axeville Gospel in Oakland. And we've just spent some time talking about where the world is today biblical prophecy that gives us a glimpse into the direction that this is all headed in, and the challenge that is laid before the Church. And uh, believe me, the challenges are pretty significant because we have spent a lot of time, Church, in looking for teachers that will help to tickle our itching ears, say things, platitudes that make us feel better about ourselves. Christ wants you to be joyful in him. He wants to give you the desires of your heart, but the scripture also says, blessed is he whose heart is focused on him. So we've confused a lot of things here, and then as we have consumed more of the lie that the enemy serves up oh, it's, it's it's got gravy or lots of sugary on it. I had a, a donut today. My colleague is celebrating a birthday and they sent over donuts. They're just wrapped in all this sugar and I'm sure my sugar levels just went through the roof. And Oh, <laughs> it tastes so good though. And then you think about well, if you do it enough you're going to want more. And the more you consume the more damage it does to your body. And eventually you're a diabetic. Maybe because of it, you start to have problems with your vision and you're starting to feel tingling in your feet. It's all the end result. The good stuff always tastes good in the beginning, but the end can lead to loss of life. The end can lead to eternal damnation. And Bishop Bob, you were sharing here off the air. Passage of Scripture from the Book of John that really goes to the heart of the problem that mankind seems to have today with the truth, and how easy it seems that it is becoming to exchange the truth for a lie.
2: Yeah, and the Word of God is very clear about that. And so, I was I was looking at John eight, uh, Saint John chapter eight, and verse forty three. The Lord Jesus was. He was talking to some religious leaders, and what happened was it, they had this dialogue going on back and forth. And he got to the forty-third verse. And I, I won't go into the whole thing, but the forty-third verse and forty-fourth verse. I, I want you to look at this because many times we talk about the enemy, and the next thing you know, like you said earlier, the enemy is the Republicans, are the Democrats, they're the they're the they're the Baptists, the Methodists, the Episcopalians. I mean, the different denominations fighting each other. Do you know it's over three hundred. Denominations in Christ, and none of them can get along. But anyway, so it's eight John at cha- eighth chapter of John forty third verse. He says, "Why do you not understand my speech?" Red lettered in the Bible, so it means the Lord Jesus is speaking. Why do you not understand my speech? He said, "Even because you cannot hear my word." Then in forty four, he explains why he said that. He says, "You are of your father, the devil." And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And, Greg, I was telling you at the break, I came to the conclusion that, Lord, I never want to tell a lie again. So I warned people. I said, listen, if you don't want to know the truth, Don't ask me because I'm obligated to tell you the truth because I'm not going to lie for anybody. And I'll tell you why I say that. Because I come to the conclusion when I read the scripture, every time a person tells a lie, Christian or non-Christian, he's imitating his father, the devil. Because if the devil is the father of lies, every time you lie, you're owning the fact that you're a child of the devil. But every time you tell the truth, And that's what this world is missing as well The truth Jesus said in 8th uh, 8th chapter John Again he said If you continue in my word Then are you my disciples indeed And you shall know the truth And the truth shall make you free Now a lot of preachers say The truth shall set you free No it doesn't set you free It will make you free When you get into the truth But people don't want to hear the truth Because it will convict you The truth will convict you People don't want to know the truth. Lie to them. They love a lie. But tell them the truth. They get upset with you. They get, they get, they really, they don't want to hear you because they don't want to hear the condemnation, the conviction that comes upon them when you tell the truth. But as Christians, we're obligated to tell the truth, not only to one another, but also even admitting the truth to ourselves.
1: I recently had a leading Anthropologist on the program, and we were talking about the issue of creationism versus evolution. <clears throat> and as he shared his story, um, essentially coming to the reality of intelligent design and and the the scriptural context for how man came to be, the Genesis account. I said, you know, I'm 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 kind of of the persuasion that one of the big motivators and the reason why something like Evolution has gained so much traction in this country in the last century since the Scopes Monkey trial of the nineteen twenties, is it's not necessarily because believing in evolution somehow feels righter than creation story. But that if we can eliminate God from the equation, if how we came to be has nothing to do with a Intelligent design, superior power, God of the universe, whatever you wish to to label nothing to do with that, but rather the result of a big bang there's no examples of of order coming out of chaos anywhere in modern history, but we'll leave that aside for the moment if we can eliminate God out of the equation and man became a monkey or a fish that grew feet that became a monkey that became who were today, and some people that believe that way, I'm probably inclined to say, if you want to believe you come from a monkey, I'll let you believe it. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is that sometimes we're afraid of the truth because once we're confronted with the truth, it becomes incumbent upon us to do something Uh about it. Uh So if the truth that God exists Mm. is presented to me, now eventually questions about, well, If God and that God, then who God and how God? And what is my relationship to him? What is his relationship to me? Do I have any accountability to my creator? All of a sudden now we're confronted by some serious questions that we have to deal with. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if we can just take God out of the equation, well, God doesn't exist. Right, Not a problem. I, 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 I not only solve a problem how man came to be, but I also take out of the equation any of this messy business of my relationship with him, whether or not I'm a sinner and he's holy and if I've offended him, we just completely take that out of the equation. And now it's very comfortable for me to embrace this lie and exchange the truth for a lie oh. because it allows me to stay in my sinful condition. My God, I don't have to repent. I don't have to be called to answer for having offended a holy and righteous God. I can just continue to wallow in sin. Mm. But the Scripture also is quick to remind us that the eventual result of being outside of the bonds of Christ is eternal damnation. Wages
2: of sin. sin. Wages of sin sin is payment for your sin. Right. And James said something arresting in the question. He says, you believe it? You believe that there's one God? He said, the devils believe and tremble. So hmm. you are less than a devil if you don't believe in God. He says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You're being a complete fool if you think that this big bang theory or a a whale got tired of swimming and decided to come up on the shore and start walking around as a man and talking. I mean, can you imagine what the monkeys must be saying when they hear that, that men came from monkeys and whatnot? And The question is, why do we still have
1: monkeys today, then, if men came from monkeys? And where are the modern-day examples of evolution? Well, the fact of the matter is, there really are none. No, there are none. But you have touched on something that really ought to cause all of us to really pause and ponder. You know, every two weeks, most companies, they pay their employees every two weeks. Maybe you get a check. Maybe it goes into your bank account. But in the old days, you'd go up to the cashier's window there at the payroll office, and they would pay you out in actual cash. And they would say, here are your wages. Now, if you took it and said, well, I don't want it, the response would be, well, you have to take it because you You earned earned it. it. (laughs) You earned it. The wages of sin. Yes. Is death? That's the word. Wages are something that we have earned. Mm. My God! In the manner in which we live, disregard a holy and righteous God, ignore His rules, ignore His book. Those wages, death, are sadly something that we ourselves, apart from the 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 dynamic uh, uh, lineage sin. But it's something that we ourselves have earned. That's true. Except we allow Christ to come in, be that intervention, and say, let me stop, I'm going to short circuit that process. Right. I'm going to pay the penalty on your behalf. My God. Even though you earned it, Thank it's your you, wages. Jesus. Mm. I'm going to pay that penalty Thank you, Lord. on your behalf. Thank you. Lord. So that in my work on the cross, mm. my shed blood yes. will cover those sins before my Holy Father. And then your sins will be, what does the scripture say, as far as the east is from the west. My God. My God. God so much wants to be in relationship with this sinful, nasty, dirty creation that shows you that you look at this and say, well, Bishop Bob, I don't understand this. I don't know this side of the veil will ever understand how a holy and righteous God could look at somebody like Craig Roberts and say, but nevertheless, I forgive you. Mm. I love you. Welcome home, my son. Wow. Isn't that called grace? Wow, it sure <laughs> is.
2: There,
0: Unmerited favor, merited here. There's no, uh, here.
2: Uh, there's <laughs> no way. That. And Paul's dialogue. I mean, in Romans, when you study the book of Romans, you find out that the the Jews were talking about they had the law. I mean, they you know they had Moses giving them the law, the Ten Commandments. Of course, they had. 500 and some commandments to it but anyway they they had the ten commandments and they were god's chosen people and whatnot and paul tried to let them know no 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 but you have to understand even you with the law have sinned against the law Mm -hmm. because no man could keep the law until the lord jesus christ came he's the only man that kept the law without spot or blemish okay and so his death causes us by faith to receive salvation which the law could never give. You know, even in my sin condition, I know to do good, and yet I do it not. That, oh, you're right in that seventh chapter of Romans. He talks about that thing. And I believe that's what's wrong with a lot of people today in the world. They desire to do good, they want to do good. He said, The things that I should do, I don't do. The things that I hate, That's what I do. He said, now, if I do the things I hate to do, it's no longer I that do them, but sin that dwelleth in me, warring against my mind, leading me into captivity of sin. Oh, wretched man that I am, Mm. who can deliver me from this death? I thank my God through Jesus
1: Christ, my Lord. Now, we've got two potential directions that we can surrender in. We can surrender to the sin and just say, I give up. I, I I can't do it on my own. I don't have the capacity within my flesh to be able to keep the law, so I'm not even going to try, and I'm going to go out and live like the devil. That's one surrender path that you can take. Mm-hmm. The other surrender path is to say, I can't do it on my own. Sounds a lot alike, doesn't it? Can't do it on my own. The capacity to live the law is not within me, and so therefore, Lord Jesus... I surrender to you. Mm, I, I can't it. do it, but you already have. The price that I should pay, you paid for me. And so if you just simply acknowledge repent, and scripture's very clear repent, turn from your wicked yes, ways. Yes. Come and follow me. Be a disciple. Yes. Then Will my Father hear from heaven? You shall be saved. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life and all the angels and saints, the Scripture tells us. Every time a knee is bowed and surrendered to Jesus Christ, the angels and all the saints in heaven rejoice. My God, do you know that's the only thing that I can
2: find in the Word of God? that causes all of heaven to rejoice. It's when one sinner... Imagine that. One sinner, just one sinner, receives the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over that one sinner that comes to Christ. How important.
1: Forty-something years ago, and we're going to get to this after the break, 40-something years ago, they had an outright party up there (laughs) when a boy from the city of Oakland, California, <laughs> finally said, that's it, I surrender. <laughs> when we come back, I'm going to ask Bishop Bob Jackson to share briefly a bit of his story and the story of the amazing things that God is doing in and through the work, the ministry, his church, not Bob Jackson's church, Jesus' church at Axeful Gospel. We'll get to that. So you got to stay where if you stayed this long, you got to stay a little bit longer because the really good stuff is coming up next. Our conversation with Bishop Bob Jackson, senior founder, pastor of Axeful Gospel Church continues right after this.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right. Welcome back to the conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor, founder of Axeful Gospel Church with us today. In studio and uh, Bishop Bob, we've got a lot more to talk about, but I want to spend a moment um, and kind of turn back the clock. I want to go back to the streets of Oakland in the 1980s and who Bob Jackson was at that time. Not Bishop Bob Jackson as he sits here in front of these microphones today, but who he was back then. I kind of have it on good authority that uh, you're not the kind of character I'd necessarily want to have to go have dinner with. (laughs) Today I'd love to do it, but in those days you were you were a bit of a, shall we say, a hoodlum. (laughs) My
2: my wife tells me all the time. She said, "If I had known you then, I never would have looked at you. Looked at you twice because I couldn't stand people like you. I never would have married you." So so yes, I was a wretch undone. Paul and I are going to have this contest, going to have this dialogue when we get to heaven, because <laughs> Paul tries to make you think that he's the chief, he's center, the chief of senator. I said, no, 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 you were a schoolboy compared to me and what I was, Dirty Red. That's what they called me. You know, I had a guy the other day. He made a comment. He said, "Yeah, Dirty Red." He made a comment, calling me Dirty Red. I said, "You," I said to myself, "I didn't say it out loud." You better be glad that Dirty Red is dead. Mm. Because if he wasn't dead, he would be at your throat right about now. I carried a gun. I rode a motorcycle. I was a motorcycle gangs. I drank alcohol. I homongered. I fornicated. I lied. I cheated. I stole. I did everything. I, I was a fence. I used to get hot stuff and sell it, you know, and make money. I did all kinds of things. I, there are women who never had sex that are not all, now on the street as prostitutes. There are men who never had alcohol or drinks. They are now drug addicts and dope fiends and alcoholics. I, I was one of Satan's top lieutenants, you know, when I look at my life. Just a wretch undone. I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in the street, okay? So the point I'm saying is everything I know today and everything I am today is what the Lord Jesus Christ has been able to do in my life. My sister got in a lot of trouble with me, my older sister, and she said, yeah, he's around there now talking about he's the bishop of that church. But I know when he used to do this, and she started telling people about all the things I used to do and the sinful things I would do, and I got upset about it. Craig, I began to get upset about it. I said, how dare you talk about my sin? I know stuff on her. I'm going to tell all kind of stuff on her. And then it came to me. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, is she lying on Mm -hmm. you, Bob? Is she lying on you? I said, no, Lord, she's not lying. But but just the same, she, she, she's not right to talk about my past. He says, yeah, but if she's telling the truth, then you need to be quiet because you did worse things than that that I know of and mm-hmm. you know of that she doesn't even know anything about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord Jesus, you're correct. Let me be quiet because she's not lying. Everything she was saying was the absolute truth. I was a ranked sinner. That's why I love sinners today. That's why I love people because... People tell me, "Oh, I, don't, I know you grew up in the church, but I did not grow up in the church. I did not grow up in the church, and I want you to know I was a sinner. But I had a friend, Jerry Thomas. He and I had gone to the military together. We were in third grade together in elementary school. We went in the military together in the Air Force. Let me tell you something. We were wild as the wind. I mean, we did all kind of drinking, partying, fighting. You just name it. They taught us how to kill, by the way, in the Air Force. So we were killers, us, fighters, us, what?" But when I came out of the military, long story short, we joined the motorcycle gang. <laughs> Phantom riders. And we, we rode 750 Chop Hondas th- through Oakland streets. with Had a snub nose 38 under my coat. And we, you know, drank and a and party. Probably very grateful
1: they, that there's a statute of limitations. <laughs> I, I'm trying to tell no, yeah, honestly, you. No, honestly,
2: you're the truth. I did all kind of stuff. You know, I'm ashamed of those things now. But I did those things. Satan was using me for the furtherance of his domain, for his kingdom. Let me tell you something. And this guy, Jerry Thomas, he went somewhere. I hadn't seen him for about a year. He went somewhere and he got saved. So a revival or something, he told me later. But the point of it is, he came back to my father's house. I had lost my apartment, I'd lost my job, I'd lost everything. I was drinking like a fish, smoking cigarettes. I looked like the walking dead. And he came to my father's house, asked my dad, he said, yeah, have you seen Bob? He said, "Yeah, he, he's down in his room." My dad had let me move back home, and I moved back in, had my old room that I had. He allowed me to come back home, no job, no money, and he he, he said, "Come on out here, let me let me see you, boy." And I came out, and I looked at him, and I said, "Oh my God, you look so good!" I didn't say, "Oh my God," but I said. Something, probably cussed. But anyway, I said, "He," I said, you, cheeks big and rosy, you look so great, man. You, he looked better. He was shiny. He was glowing like a light bulb. I said, man, you look so great. I said, give me some of that, man. Give me," And he stuck his finger in my face, Craig, and he said, boy, all you need is Jesus. Now, Craig, I'm going to tell you something. A couple of things I didn't take. That is people talking to me pointedly mm-hmm. and somebody sticking their finger in my face. I felt like knocking his oh, yeah, head so he's right up his head. <laughs> he's lucky he didn't lose his head because normally I would have responded so quickly. But something about what he said, God almighty, it just pierced my it pierced my heart. I couldn't say anything and he left. Left me right there. Well it was a few months later. I got into it with the Oakland Police Department and I want you to know they pulled it. there was three fifty sevens in those days, Magnum. They had a this guy Pulled the magnum, and I had my hand moving toward my gun because it was in the closet. And this woman that was with me, she hollered out, his gun is in the closet. And the cup was shaking with the gun pointed real close to me. I'm looking down the barrel. He said, bring your hand out slow. I'll blow your head off. And I brought it out slow. He says, get your coat and get out of here. That, that was Grace. Get your coat and get out of here. So I got my coat and left. I was at the house. When I came back, the woman was gone. But let me tell you something. I got me another drink when I went out, because I had been drinking, like I always did, right? This time when I went to work in the morning, I came back home, I told my boss, boss, I got some things to do, I'm going to have to leave early. My boss said, oh, that's okay. So I came back home, and I was sitting in the house, shades were pulled, 8.45 on a Monday morning, May 16th, 1977, 364 Clara Street, Brookfield Village, Oakland, California. I was sitting on my couch, and he came to me. You've never seen your dad drunk. You've never seen your dad beating up on your mom. You've never seen your dad acting a fool. Why are you doing what you're doing? And at that moment, Craig, that friend, Jerry, Jerry Thomas, what he said, came. Boy, all you need is Jesus. And I turned over on that couch on my knees, and I said, Jesus. If you're real, just let me know. Mm. And nothing. I waited, and I waited. And finally, I got an attitude, Craig, and this is amazing. I said, Lord Jesus, if you're really real, just let me know. And all of a sudden, tears begin to come from my eyes, and the tears didn't go down my cheek. They actually squirted out of my eyes. It hot. I just noticed it was like scalding water, hot. Tears squirted out of my eyes, and I began to just repent. I began to just cry. I'm sorry, Lord. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. I can't tell you why I did anything. Lord, forgive me. And it was I know it was 845 when I came home, but I can't tell you anything that happened until about a quarter to one, four hours later, I came to myself. I was still on my knees, still in, in front of that couch. The place was all wet with tears and Slob and whatnot, and I'm telling you, all of a sudden I I, could, I came to myself, and when they said you look, I looked at my hands, and before I had DT shaking, mm-hmm. my hands were still, and I and I noticed, and I was like, so when I got up off my knees, I felt like I could float, I felt like I could float. I was so so I know something else about sin. Sin is heavy, sin will weigh you down. I felt like I could float, I really could. And all of a sudden, I looked down and I saw a pack of cools in my top pocket. I went over to the garbage can, threw away the cools. I went over to the uh, under my couch and I had some seeds. I didn't have any weed. I had some seeds. I flushed it down the toilet. I had some wine and beer in my refrigerator. I began to pop the the beer and and the wine. Poured it all out of my sink. I had pornography, Craig. I had all kind of pornography. All kind of pornography. Different colored people: black people, white people. All kind of pornography. Just stacks. I went, took it all out of my living room, threw it in my garbage can, and I began to look around because I didn't own a Bible. And it came to me. You're in the Air Force. Remember that little GI Gideon mm-hmm. Bible that they <laughs> give you in the Air Force? I went to my Air Force. Thank God I had my, still had my uh, duffel bag. My, my duffel bag, mm. And I looked in there, and there was that little Bible. I had kept it. And I began to read Romans 5, 6, 7, Eighth and ninth chapter. Let me tell you, and the word began to just look like it came alive. It was coming up out the off the off the pages. I was like, Oh my, oh my, oh my! It was like that, like a video. And I'm telling you something. God, from that day, I've never been the same.
1: And the amazing thing is, and we're going to take a time out. The amazing thing is that almost in that very same moment. Had the devil himself shown up at the gates of heaven and said, I'm here for Robert Jackson. I'm here for Bob Jackson. And the answer that whoever's in charge at the gate, they say Peter's at the gate, would have said, I'm sorry. The Bob Jackson that you seek, he's dead. He is dead. There's another Bob Jackson. But he's not the same Bob Jackson. This Bob Jackson is a new creature in Christ Jesus Mm, because old things have passed away. Mm. Behold, everything has become new.
2: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It's the most amazing thing that has ever
2: happened to me in my entire life. And now, 44 years later... I'm still lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm still seeing him manifest himself to people, and they're becoming born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, and transformed by the miracle working power of God. That's the most
1: beautiful thing that ever can happen to you in this world. And if you happen to be listening, saying, I happen to tune in, and I recognize the voice, and I used to be in that part of Oakland back in the day, I'm looking for Bob Jackson, I'm here tonight to tell you that Bob Jackson is dead, but there's a whole new Bob Jackson renewed in Christ Jesus, Mm. a disciple of the Lord Jesus, Mm. adopted into the family, heir of the father, joint heir with the son. That Bob Jackson sitting here right across the table from me. Mm. We'll take a brief time out. we got more, so stay right where you're at as Lifeline continues. Mm. When you think about Saul, who later became Paul, one of the – not the the only, but the principal author of the New Testament, um, it'd be almost hard to identify one from the other. Saul, a persecutor of Christians unto death, an agent of Rome, though he himself Jewish, and – he had had a, um, quite an angst against Christ and against the gospel message. And Jesus said, you know, you're the kind of fellow I think I can use, um, who has, again, up for debate, not necessarily the chiefest, one of the chiefest, we'll put it, <laughs> among sinners, because we know Bishop Bob Jackson's going to try to fight for that title. <laughs> and on that road to Dismas- Damascus— that encounter with Jesus. You know, Paul was blinded for a time. He had been blinded in that moment literally, but leading up to that point, he had been blinded spiritually. And when he had that encounter with Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit got in there and started wrestling with that man's heart and revealed to him that indeed this Christ that he, Saul, persecuted was indeed and without doubt the Son of Man, the Savior of mankind, he who became that substitution through his shed blood on the cross, that in him and through him, the chiefest, one of the chiefest of sinners, Saul, could be forgiven and could truly know God and walk in fellowship with the very creator of the universe. And so that encounter so changed Saul that to help us easier to delineate, Saul became Paul. Paul became one of the principal leaders of the first century church, one of the principal authors of of the New Testament. A man whom, had you known him pre-Damascus Road experience, would probably be like Old Red there on the streets of Oakland, not somebody you wanted to be around. But when he had his encounter with very Christ himself on that road to Damascus, everything changed. And when they came asking, where is Saul, the persecutor of Christians, a similar answer came back. He's dead. He's now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Because old things have passed away, Behold, everything has become new. Now, these are perhaps two extremes. Saul, the persecutor of Christians. Old Red, the... Rebel rouser on the streets of Oakland, running around with a gang, packing heat, driving motorcycles, getting in all kinds of trouble and run-ins with the cops, keeping OPD up all night. One became a leader of the New Testament. The other became a leader of the modern church, the congregation right here in Oakland, neither of whom would be recognizable from their former selves to who they are today. And the one thing they both hold in common is a life Changing encounter with very Jesus himself. And I would imagine, Bishop Bob, that there are some eavesdropping on your story. Going, wow. You know, I think I might want to put my hat in the ring. Make a run at being possible winner, candidate, at least for chiefest of sinners. Because if you think that Saul's done some bad things, you think that Bishop Bob Jackson, pre-Bishop Bob Jackson, Old Red, did some bad things, let me tell you what I've done. And I've not been convinced that God can save me. I think some of the things that I've done and said are so vile, so beyond the pale, that how could God ever forgive me? And then we come back and we look at the mirror of the story of Paul and the story of Bishop Bob Jackson and realize that for just some of these, Christ died while we were yet sinners, that we might be saved. And Bishop Bob, somebody listening right now might say, I'm really wrestling with this And I'm kind of ready to be down on my knees for that couch experience, too. I don't know if, Jesus. I'm hearing this on the radio. I don't know. I kind of, you know, knocked around the church, and I ran across this radio station by accident a few months ago, and I've been kind of listening here and there. Maybe you just dialed in today, and you don't know why. But here you are, and you're asking yourself those very same questions. Can I really be forgiven? Can that old me actually be dead and buried? Can there be a whole new me, a whole new life? Can I exchange hopelessness for hope, exchange fear for faith, exchange darkness for light, exchange eternal damnation and punishment for eternal salvation and a mansion in heaven? The answer is an absolute Resounding, Yes, because in Christ Jesus there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave man nor free. <coughs> We're all equal in the sights of God. And his shed blood, Christ's shed blood, is freely poured out for any that would come, receive, and repent. Bishop Jackson, take a moment if you would. Speak first to that person who maybe has never, ever had any kind of a relationship, hadn't get any closer to God than in God we trust on the money in their pocket. That's the closest they've ever been. And then if you would, speak to the person that
0: maybe grew up
1: in the church. Maybe he's even going to a church now, but feels as if their prayers go no higher than the ceiling. They have no notion of, of whether or not God has even forgiven them or accepted them, and they're just unsure of who they are in their relationship with God, but they know they want a relationship with Him. Speak to those two individuals and lead us in a word of prayer, would you please? Yes, I'd love to. So those of you that are listening right now, whether you're upstairs, downstairs, in your
2: bedroom, in your cars, wherever you are right now listening to the broadcast, believe me, it's no accident or coincidence that you're listening tonight of all night. Because I'm telling you, The Holy Spirit is just moving upon us in the studio, and he has been moving upon us to minister to you, to speak to you about the greatest thing that could ever happen to you in your life, and that is to receive Jesus Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior. Oh, yes, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what sins you've committed. There's no sins, there's no sins that you've ever committed in your life that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away completely and remove every trace of the sin and the guilt and the shame that you have suffered with for so long. Only the blood of Jesus. Old saints used to say, what can wash away my sins? The answer was nothing but the blood of Jesus. So right now, wherever you are right now listening to the broadcast. And I want to talk to those who know you need to be saved. You can feel the Holy Spirit just wooing you, just drawing you right now at this very moment. Listen. God wants you to be saved. He's got a brand new life for you. And those of you that were in the church and for some reason you left the church, for some reason you backslid or you got back into some sins that you were into previous to salvation, listen, God is not going to throw you away. He hasn't thrown you away. As a matter of fact, he's been waiting for you to come back to him because he loves you so much. And I want you to know you at this very moment have an opportunity right now to do your first works over again. What is what is my first works, Brother Bob? It is to repent and ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sin. He said if you confess your sin, he said he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Come on. Whether you are a brand new person don't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ or whether or not you have been in the church for years and all of a sudden you're not in the church anymore, you haven't been going to church. And those of you that's been out with COVID and haven't been to church in a long time, you've broken the habit of coming to church. And it's hard to get the habit back to now, return to church. Listen, you too need to come forth right now, tonight. Come on. You're listening right now. All of you that are listening, who I'm talking to, right now have a golden opportunity to come back to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Are you ready? Can you feel God's anointing? Can you feel the Holy Spirit moving upon you right now? Right now? In the name of Jesus? If you can say Lord Jesus. Come on. If you can say Lord Jesus. Come on. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. I want you to repeat this little prayer after me. Say right now. Lord Jesus forgive me for all of my sins I believe that you died on the cross and you were buried and on the third day God the Father raised you from the dead and right now Lord Jesus I open the door to my heart and I receive you Into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, come on and celebrate. Come on and give God the praise. Hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, come on and just say, Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you. Hallelujah. Just praise Him right there. Listen, and then I want to ask you the million dollar question. According to that prayer you just prayed, Where is the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, bless the name of the Lord. If you can truly say, he's in my heart. Praise God. Then 1 John 4 and 4 says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. You have just received the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the Savior of your soul right now. The Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in you. My God, hallelujah. Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus. I feel the power of God just moving right through the airwaves, touching you and blessing you in Jesus' name.
1: Great. There are two wonderful passages of Scripture, and they're both out of the same book of Romans, that I think you should begin to read, meditate on, and, and begin to really hold close to your heart. The, the first in Romans in chapter 10, verse 9, it says... If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But it doesn't end there. In verse 13, for whosoever, that means Saul on the Damascus Road. It means Big Red and streets of Oakland. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That is God's promise to you. And I want to encourage you. This is the end of the old man, the person you used to be. Today is your death date and your date of being born a second time, born anew, born again, as Scripture calls it. This begins a process begins a wonderful journey. It's going to have its rough moments. It's going to have moments of discouragement. You're going to have to struggle against the flesh as you put off the old man and begin that process of renewing your mind, renewing your heart day by day. And as you do so, as you pray, as you read Scripture, God will quicken the truth of his word to your heart Scripture tells us, Thine word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That word will begin to matriculate in your heart and in your life. And day by day, you'll grow closer and closer to God. And that old man, that old woman that you used to be, will be further and further and further in the past. And one day, you'll present yourself before the gates of heaven. And they'll say, we have no record of the old Bob Jackson okay, Jesus. because everything that he did, God set that sin as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. But there's a mansion here. Jesus went and prepared that mansion, set aside on a special street with a special address, and the address says, this is the new home of Bob Jackson, or the new home of, and put your name in there. Oh, now, beginning this journey not only includes prayer, learning what it means to be a disciple so that eventually you can learn what it is to make other disciples, and getting into God's Word But it also means getting into a solid Bible-believing church. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Bishop Bob Jackson to tell us a bit about what God is doing in and through the ministry of Actsville Gospel Church. You may not be geographically nearby that you can attend, wherever you might be listening. You can go to kfax.com. We have a complete list of churches. You can find one, the Bible-believing churches that's near you. But if you say, well, how do I know how to find one? And once I walk into one, how do I know that it's really a true Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church. Bishop Bob Jackson's going to paint that picture for you as an example coming up in just a moment as this edition of Lifeline continues. All right, we're back into the closing stretch of this edition of Lifeline. It's been uh, such a joy, and I hope you've really been blessed in hearing Bishop Bob Jackson tonight uh, share from the Word, share from his heart. And um, for those of you that um, earlier prayed that prayer Now, you have the question, as I've said, get into the Word, get into prayer, learn to be a disciple. Where do you go to find the church? How do you find fellowship? And how do you find true Bible based fellowship? I'm going to ask Bishop Jackson to tell us a bit about Acts Full Gospel, but before I do, what's that profile? When we talk about how do we identify a solid Bible-believing church. What does that look like for somebody?
2: Well, first of all, it looks like a church that uses the Bible. <laughs> that's number one. I tell people that I ask for the gospel all the time, if you don't have a Bible when you come here, you're at the wrong church because we use the Bible. We don't just lift it up and talk about it, but we actually turn the pages and actually quote from it, read from it, and that's our whole thing, the Word of God and so it has to be a Bible, a church that's teaching the Bible, preaching the Bible, and uses the scriptures for you to
1: see what God is saying as opposed to just hearing. In other words, so if the preacher gets up and, and quotes one scripture at the very start of the sermon and then sets the Bible down and walks away from the pulpit and never has another Bible verse again for the next 50 minutes, you're probably looking at the church as more heavily into platitudes than into biblical preaching. So you're looking at a Happy Meal... Being able to eat one French yeah, fry, got it.
2: Okay, that's kind of what it is. And you, when you come to church, you should be hungry for the word of God. I mean, people come me all kind of reasons why they come to church. Come to church to hear good old gospel singing. They come to church to, to, you know, to feel good. They have. One lady said the church has some good vibes. You know, whatever. But the point I'm saying is, the real reason you come is that worship and praise and all of that is great but also for the Word of God. You should have your beer bone, your knife and fork, and you have your Bible, and you're ready to eat. And then you have a pencil or pen or marking pen so you can mark your Bible as the preacher is teaching or ministering the Word of God. That's your food, spiritual food. And so many people come to church, and they're not spiritually nourished. They used to have an expression, I'm not being fed, I'm not fed at that church. And they're telling the truth because the Word of God is our... The Bible says, Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of heaven. Mm. He's the word made flesh. So if you take that back to Scripture, the word of God, then the word of God is our food that we actually eat to feed our spirit man and to renew our minds so we can have the mind of Christ.
1: Let's spend a moment talking about what God has done at Actsful Gospel. And it's almost unfair to ask you that question. With <laughs> five minutes left of the program, we, we'd have to cancel the next few hours, and the, Dr. McGee's listeners at 830 would wonder what happened. <laughs> God has truly done an amazing work in your ministry, and I believe, Bishop Jackson, it is that unadulterated, unabashed teaching of God's Word, the proclaiming of His Word, that not only is good for reproof and exhortation, and, and for righteousness and the imparting of knowledge and understanding and direction, the, the manual on how to live, you know. Oftentimes we'll, we'll get a gift for Christmas, maybe from Ikea, start to put it together. It falls apart. We end up with 10 or 20 bolts left over. You didn't read the manual. God has given us a manual called His Word folks come to the doors of Axeville Gospel Church tell us a bit about what that experience is like well it,
2: it, it, the first thing is worship we 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 believe in praise and worship and uh, we we believe in inviting the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ he said where two or three are gathered in my name he said there am I in the midst so we want to make sure that he's there present from the beginning of the service and we want to start you know we want to welcome him we welcome the holy spirit in and then we have prayer we offer prayer and then we sing praise songs now here's the thing with praise songs every song in church is not a praise song praise songs are distinguished by one thing they're vertical and they're not horizontal so when you hear praise leaders singing horizontal songs horizontal songs are singing to the audience Come on, come on, come on, I'm going to let you go. Come on, come on, come on, don't you want to go? That's singing to the audience. But when you say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, you're singing to the Lord. Paul, David was a master at praise and worship, and he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, what? Shall Shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. You see that? So David said, sing, uh, sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord. So when you're really praising God and you're singing songs of praise, they are always vertical. They always are going to the Lord. And when you begin to praise Him, old saints used to say, when the praises go up, the blessings come oh, down. I'd yeah, oh, like to amend that. Amen. When the praises go up, the blessor comes down. Amen. Because God inhabits the, the praises praise of his people. Of his people. So when those praises are going forth, the Spirit of the Lord begin to move. Let me tell you something. You can feel the anointing of God. You can feel what we felt in the studio tonight. Those little bumps, chill bumps come up on you, and you're not cold, and the hairs on your back begin to stand up, and you feel like you stuck your finger in an electric plug. I mean, <laughs> that's the Spirit of God. And then when the preacher gets up, he brings out the Word of God as a term with me. And he doesn't read one scripture, but he reads so much that you'd be saying, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm satiated with all of this Word. I'm so full. And that's what I
1: call a real service. And if you come out afterwards and you think, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a bit convicted, it's almost as if he was preaching right at me. <laughs> Um, Then that's the clue to understand that that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, saying, brother, sister, you got a couple of things you need to work on. That's the kind of community at Axel Gospel Church. It's not a body of perfect people, but it's a body of people in the process of being perfected unto him full Gospel Church, street address, Bishop Bob. 1034 66th Avenue in the city of Oakland. And, of course, uh, you can catch uh, content available on the website and uh, many resources and details by going to actsfulgospel.org. That's actsfulgospel.org. If you're looking for a church that's kind of quiet and sleepy and does a bake sale and everybody goes home at the end of the day and they all kind of feel okay and there's just not much going on, this is not the church for you. If you want to get plugged in, turned on by the Holy Spirit, and have the Word permeate your heart and soul and change your life, get you excited about God's Word, then you want to check out Axeful Gospel Church of Oakland again on the web at axfulgospel.org. That's axfulgospel.org. Next time you come in, I'm going to petition for another hour because I think we need it. <laughs> I think so, too. Thanks, Greg. Thank you so much, Bishop Bob Jackson from Acts Gospel Church, featured on this Sunday's Church of the Week. You get a chance to really hear Bishop Bob get wound up in the Word in a sermon, 12 noon, right here on KFAX. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for being with us. Again, thanks to my special guest tonight, Bishop Bob Jackson. I want to thank both of my engineers, took two of you tonight, Nate Nelson and Mike Matthews. Thanks to my producer, too. And again, remember, As we close the show every night, don't just keep the faith. Get on out there and share it. Till next time, so long.